0: Father, I pray that you would give us a heart to believe and encounter your love. Father, I pray that as we look at the word of God today, that the gospel news of your love would not be old news, but it would be good news. And Lord, I know this is a busy time of year, a busy day, lots of plans and family things. And Father, I pray that in the midst of it, you would allow our hearts to slow down for a few moments and be thrilled and in all of who you are. Lord, may this be a celebration of Christ. And Father, I ask you to forbid that we would be so busied by the activities of our Christmas celebrations that we would neglect to adequately worship Jesus today. So be glorified among us, and Lord, we know we're not the only church in town. We're not the only children of God in this geography. And so I pray for Pastor Joe Crandall and the family of faith at Clear Lake Baptist Church that you would pour your spirit out on them. May they know and love and live and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. May it go well with them. And Lord, I pray that not only would they gather in the name of Jesus, but they would scatter in the power of the Holy Spirit on mission to transform where they live, work, learn, and play. Uh, by the mission gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take your Bibles there and turn to 1 John chapter four, 1 John chapter four. If you're not familiar with 1 John. It's almost at the end, so go, and if you get to the maps, you've gone too far, but it's right there, First John, um, written by uh, the apostle or the disciple that Jesus loved, the apostle John. So we're going to be in 1 John this morning, and if you've been around the last few weeks, you know that over the last... A couple weeks, especially, we've been asking the question, why Christmas? Why did Jesus come to earth? And we've been looking at some passages of scripture that help us get a clearer picture on why it was that Jesus came in the first place. And what we saw a couple weeks ago from the mouth of Jesus is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then last week we looked at the fact that Jesus came to seek and save the lost by becoming a man like us so he could be our high priest and represent us before God the Father. And as our high priest, he offered a sacrifice, a pleasing sacrifice, a sacrifice that caused God to no longer be angry over our sin, but to be pleased with us. It enables us to be forgiven and it allows us to be blessed. What's that sacrifice called, by the way? A propitiation. I'm glad you guys remember that. Jesus came to be a propitiation. What's up? Propitiation. This morning we're going to dig a little bit deeper in that. Okay, and we're going to see not only Jesus came to seek and save the lost by representing us as a human and our high priest so that he would go before the Father and present a sacrifice of himself that through his death he would destroy our enemy, the devil and he would deliver us from the fear of death and the power of sin we're going we're to dig just a, a step deeper this morning we're gonna ask, but, but why? why would Jesus do that? we know that's why he came but why would he do that? and this morning what we're going to see is this that Christmas is a demonstration of the love of God why Christmas? because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let's look at first John and let's let's I'm just going to read two verses. And I've got to tell you, I really struggled this week in several areas. Um, One, I struggled to be able to not preach the other verses in 1 John chapter 4. This is a passage that's about loving each other. And right in the middle of it, as we see this command to love each other, we have this, this very important truth that is causing our hearts to contemplate the love of God so that we could be filled with the love of God, so we could express the love of God to one another. Okay, so the command here in this passage is really love each other. All right. And I'm not going to be able to get to that. So I'm just going to tell you, love each other. Come on now. It's Christmas. Love each other. But what makes us think we can be empowered to actually love each other? Well, here we see it. First John chapter four, look at verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us That God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the what? There it is again the propitiation. For our sins This is the word of God for us And we're going to look at the love of God I need to tell you something though Since I've become a father I have cleaned up 11,217 messes All right, I didn't know it at the time But becoming a dad uh, Means that you begin to live like a janitor And I've got to tell you I love my kids They're awesome They're worth every mess That they have come along with to this point Um, But we have not reached the place in child rearing Where they are mess free It started there in the hospital with my very first son I'll spare you the details But he made a mess right there on his first day And ever since I've been cleaning messes up And here's why I bring that up Not to complain um, But to, to tell you that as I was thinking about that dynamic Of cleaning up mess after mess My children were with me in the office this morning As I was prayerfully studying Over my message And do you know what they were doing? They were making a mess Like I literally am sitting here Saying guys I'm getting ready to talk about this Can't you pick up the Wrappers to your fruit snacks But that's that's another thing entirely Here's, Here's the point, the point is this As I thought about that dynamic I realized There are several motives In my heart For why I would clean up Their mess I realize that there are times where I have cleaned up a mess out of frustration. Any dads know what I'm talking about there? Clean up the mess out of frustration. I'll give you an an, instance, for instance. And and, and, an instance, I don't even know what that is. It's an an instance. Um, Like my kids have gone to bed and I didn't know it, but they had turned our living room into a minefield of Lego pieces. And so on my way to the bedroom myself, I step barefoot on Legos. And just so you know, stepping barefoot on Legos is the best possible way to extract government secrets from a prisoner of war. It hurts so badly. In that moment, at 10 o'clock at night, I am cleaning up a mess out of frustration. I sound a lot like the dad off the Christmas story that 's another thing entirely. sometimes I have cleaned up a mess out of selfishness and I 'll give you a for instance of that when i 'm cleaning up the garage and I don't even allow my kids to help because I want it a specific way known as my way, and I don't even want them to get involved because I want my garage like I want my garage it's actually selfishness i don't even let them take part in it. I want it my way sometimes i've cleaned up a mess out of pride. I'll give you an instance of that, is when I have people coming over to our house, and I'll go in to my children's room after they've already done their very best, and I give it to them, they've done their very best to clean and straighten their room, I go in and I clean it up to my satisfaction. I I straighten things. My kids will tell you I can be obsessive about the lines on comforters. Use the lines to square your edges, people. Come on, that's why they're there. It's the only reason you would have a plaid pattern on a comforter, so you could get it straight on your bed. And I'll, I'll straighten up their books, and they'll always say, hey, should we clean our, our room to our standard or your standard, Dad? And I would say, come on now. And it's actually pride. I want people to think we actually live like that. Well, anyhow, but, but I'll tell you what, here's the, here's the reality. I can honestly say that even though there are times where I'll clean up a mess out of frustration, even out of selfishness. Even out of pride, I I can tell you there's actually one reason that's more common than any other reason. As a matter of fact, so often I will do something from this reason that I actually ask my kids a lot. Why do you think dad would do this? And they answer, I'm going to test you guys. What's the answer to that when I say, hey guys, why do you think dad would do this? Because I love you, because I love my kids. Man, I was nervous there for a second. Mia looked like she was going to say, because you're selfish. That's why you do it, because you're selfish, Dad. I love my kids deeply and without hesitation. I love my kids before they were born and had done anything good or bad, right or wrong. I love my kids when it comes with a great cost and sacrifice. I love my kids. And if we go deeper into the question, why Christmas? When we go deep enough, we will see the answer to why God sent Jesus to this earth, why the Son of God became a man, why he would leave the throne of heaven and the worship of angels to become a poor and lowly servant, why he would seek and save lost people who had rebelled against him, who hated and despised him, who ultimately rejected and murdered him once he came, why Jesus would take on your weakness and my weakness and endure our death as a payment. for our sin. If we want to get to the heart of Christmas, church, then we had better not miss this all-important truth. Christmas is a demonstration that God loves you. The almighty, wonderful God loves His kids deeply and without hesitation. He loves His kids before we were born and had done anything right or wrong, good or bad. God loves His kids when it comes at great cost to Himself and the sacrifice is high. God loves His kids. Some of you would say we aren't the only thing God loves, right? No, God loves his glory and he loves righteousness and holiness and justice. And we would be wrong to diminish his love for those things. But we would also be wrong to diminish his love. The reality is, guys, that God has chosen To set a special love, a perfect, unrelenting love on his people. The Bible, in so many ways, is a love story. It's a love letter. Ephesians 3 says that God's love is incomprehensible. The Psalms are filled with reminders that God has a steadfast, unmovable, never-changing love that will not diminish no matter what. Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Jesus Christ. And the Bible ends with this vision of God living with his people like a bride and groom would live in love with one another. But listen, it's not just a letter in which God says, I love you. Verse 9 says something. Look what verse 9 says. It says that the love of God was made manifest among us. That word made manifest means to make something visible, that means that you might be talking about something, but you, you choose to make it known, make it seen, make it visible. It's like what happens when a kid on the playground is bragging about all the things he can do, something that's amazing and incredible. There's some point in time where someone on the playground should say, hey, bro, don't tell me, show me, right? don't don't, don't talk the game, back it up. And if that kid who's bragging about all that he can do actually does what he says he could do, his ability is made manifest. It's visible, it's revealed. And church, God doesn't just say he loves us. He shows us He isn't the kid who talks a good game and doesn't back it up, not even close. God has been clear to say I love you, but God has made his love visible. He didn't just tell us, he showed us. And how did he show us? When did God manifest his love? Look at verse 9. In this, the love of God. In this, something's getting ready to happen that will show us the love of God. The love of God was made visible among us And what's that next phrase? That God sent His only Son into the world. Do you hear what you just read? God's love became visible. It was manifest when God sent His only Son into the world. When did God send His Son into the world? What do we call that? Christmas, half of you passed the test. (laughs) There is... There is something powerful that we need to see. Christmas represents the moment that the Son of God stepped into this world as the visible display that God so loves us. Verse 9 is clearly teaching that Christmas is a day, is a moment that displays the love of God. But you may be sitting there and thinking, "Um, I feel like I've heard something else too. That the demonstration of God's love isn't just a manger, it's something more. What is that something more? Well, let's keep reading in verse 9. Look at verse 9 again. In this, the love of God was made manifest, visible among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Look at this. Not that we have loved God... But he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, some of you are pros at propitiation. We talked about this last week. If you weren't here last week, a propitiation is a sacrifice that's offered to God. And it's offered to God to cause him to be pleased, to satisfy his anger over sin and injustice. A propitiation is an offering in which God becomes as pleased as he can be with that offering. And Jesus himself is the offering, the sacrifice that was offered to God the Father on behalf of God's people. So God is as pleased with that sacrifice and those it represents as he is with Jesus. That means we are blessed by God because God is as pleased with his children in Christ as he is with Christ. Amazing, mind-blowing news that Jesus died as a sacrifice. But here's the question. When did that happen? When when did Jesus die on the cross as a sacrifice for sin? It didn't happen in the manger, right? It happened on the cross. So in these two verses, I hope you noticed, one said, in this you see the love of God. And verse 9 says, in this you see the love of God. 9 and 10, both, in this you see the love of God. The manger... The cross. So the question becomes so which one manifests the love of God? The manger or the cross? That was supposed to be rhetorical, and you actually answered it. This is this is an incredible thing. Did you guys gang up and give me this for Christmas? Is that what you guys did? You guys are working together. Thank you. I'm blown away. I'll see you next year when you're silent again. Here's the story. You're exactly right. The manger and the cross display the love of God. And here's how the Holy Spirit whispered this to my heart. Listen to this today. You will see the love of God most clearly when you look at Christmas through the lens of the cross. You will see the love of God most clearly when you look at Christmas through the lens of the cross. Friends, God sent His Son. Who left the throne of heaven, the worship and adoration of angels? A place where he ruled the universe as king and creator. The, the angels bow before him Covering their face Because to look on him and his holiness Is too great for even a, a, an angel That has never sinned And they cry out to one another Holy, holy, holy Is the Lord God almighty The whole earth is full of his glory Jesus Christ left that scene To be born on this earth And he didn't come on a sightseeing trip Or a restful vacation Jesus was laid in a manger Not a hammock And he lived on this earth on a rescue mission that was motivated by love. He was despised and rejected by men. He he was maligned and hated to the point that he was murdered on a cross. And it was the story of a father father. A father who loved his children, his foolish, wayward, rebellious, disobedient children and sent his one and only son. As one pastor friend of mine calls him the darling son of heaven and he sent him to this earth so that he could die as a sacrifice in our place. Why would he do that? Because God loves us. God loves you. And you need to hear that you are loved today with an incomprehensible love. The mighty, holy, glorious God of all creation, the one whom angels worship and adore, loves you. The most beautiful, desirable, wonderful being in all of existence loves you. And if you ever start to doubt it, maybe you are like me and you wonder, does does God really love me? Does God really love a guy as broken and messed up, as prone to wander and sin and rebel as I am. does God ever love me, if're ever if you're ever tempted to question, I want to encourage you, would you look at Christmas through the lens of the cross? Does God love us? Did He come? Did he come? Did he spare any expense or sacrifice? Did he hesitate? Did he second guess? No, not at all. At just the right time, God sent his son into this world so we could live, so that we could live with the fullness of life, abundant life, eternal life. What more could he have done to show us than to send his son at Christmas on a mission to the cross? It reminded me of a story that I'd heard by an author named Brennan Manning. Uh, some of you may have heard of Brendan Manning. His his life, his ministry was actually surrounded by a lot of controversy, and I certainly uh, can understand why, and I certainly don't sign off on all of his theology. But Brendan Manning told a story that reminded me, that I was reminded of this week. Brendan Manning, Manning was a, uh, a, a guy who was born in Brooklyn, New York, and his name at birth was Richard Francis Xavier Manning. In his early years, he went by Richie. And in Brooklyn, Richie Manning had a best friend named Ray. And Ray and Richie uh, were best friends all growing up. They went to high school together. They bought cars together. They double dated together. They, they even enlisted in the army together. And they fought in the Korean War side by side together, best friends one night in the middle of war, they were sitting together talking in a foxhole, and they were reminiscing about the good old days in Brooklyn, and suddenly, in the middle of their chat, a live grenade came flying into the foxhole between the two of them. And to hear Brennan Manny tell the story, he says that Ray looked at him, he quickly smiled, and then he threw himself on the grenade, dying so that his friend might live years later, if you guys know the story of Brennan Manning at all, you know that Brennan became a priest in the Catholic Church. And as a priest, he was encouraged to change his name in honor of a saint. And Richie Manning immediately thought of the closest thing he knew to a saint, which was Ray Brennan, his best friend. And he changed his name to Brennan Manning. That's how that name came to be. And fast forward through the years, Brennan Manning, priest in the Catholic Church, continued to struggle. He continued to struggle with all his sin and doubts and brokenness. He was an alcoholic and he was actually uh, kicked out of the priesthood. And within that struggle, he found himself back in Brooklyn, in his old neighborhood. He went to the home of his best friend, Ray, and visited with his mom. There in his In his his struggle and his pain, he, he shared old memories and talked with his mom, and there a struggling, doubting Brennan Manning, who was broken and out of the priesthood, asked his best friend's mother in all of his struggle if she thought that Ray really loved him. And at first she thought he must be joking to ask so ridiculous a question. But then he insisted that he basically didn't know anything anymore and just was getting back to the roots and foundation of his life. And so he said, I am, I'm serious. Do you think Ray really loved me? And at that, Ray's mother was incensed. She was outraged. She got up out of her chair and she came right in his face and in a furious tone, she said, what more could he have done for you? Don't ever ask that again. What more could he have done for you? And in that moment, Brennan Manning said he had an epiphany. It was as though he were standing at the foot of the cross of Jesus and for some foolish reason he asked this question out loud. Does God really love me? In my brokenness and pain? All of my failures, does God really love me? And in that moment, he imagined, there at the foot of the cross in that small crowd was the mother of Jesus, Mary. And she imagined him turning as the Son of God gave his life and saying, what more could he have done for you? Don't ever ask that again. What more could he have done for you? And friends, if you ever wonder about the love of God, if you ever feel the weight of your sin and your brokenness and your despair, if you ever if you ever hear the voice of condemnation over all you've done wrong, if everyone in your life has turned their back on you and you wonder if God has joined the ranks, if you ever ask that question, does God love me, then I encourage you look at Christmas through the lens of the cross. What more could he have done for you? His love was made visible among us and that he sent his son so that through him we might live so that he would die as a sacrifice in our place, as a propitiation to please God the Father on our behalf. So this morning and tonight and tomorrow, and I pray the rest of your life, would you look at Christmas through the lens of the cross? Because when you do, you will see a God who so loves this world that he gave his one and only son. That's the best I can do at the question, why Christmas? Would you bow your heads and let's respond to God's word in in a moment of prayer. And first, I'm gonna say, to those of you who do do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not know that you are in a right relationship with God, then I wanna encourage you even right now, would you confess your sin just just there between you and God, would you acknowledge your sin and your brokenness and that you're not able to do anything to make that up? And would you confess the work of Jesus, acknowledging he lived the life you couldn't live, a perfect life, and that he died the death you should have died as a payment for your sin, that he rose again from the grave so that not only would he live his life for you, he would live his life through you, and resurrection power, and would you call on Jesus to save you? And for those of you who would say, I'm trusting in Jesus, I want to encourage you. Would you meditate on the love of God today? Would you pray that God would stir your heart to be blown away by the reality that God loves you? that you would truly respond with worship and praise at this amazing grace. Father, I ask you to set our hearts, fix our hearts on Jesus today. Spare us, Lord, forbid that we would ever enter into this time that is supposed to be a set-aside celebration of Jesus. God forbid that we would enter into this and be distracted by everything else. To be thrilled with giving or receiving temporary presents. Gathering in temporary homes with friends and family. Father, I pray that you would cause us to celebrate Christ. That you would stir us to know his love. And Lord, I pray that that would transform us to show his love. Lord, we thank you that at the very right time, you sent your son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We praise Jesus today. Lord, we love you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.